Good morning and welcome to a Tuesday morning, uh, February the 22nd edition of the Christian Underground News Network. I'm your host, Kurt Chamberlain, along with your co-host, Pastor Dick Chamberlain, and our regular uh, Tuesday morning highly esteemed guest, Dr. J.B. Hickson. And we're glad that you've joined us today. Uh, you'll have to bear with me. I'm a little under the weather, uh, so you'll probably hear a lot less of me, which, you know, if you want to go ahead and say hallelujah, you can do that. It's not going to hurt my feelings, uh, but uh, JB and Pastor are basically going to be uh, dialoguing today, and I'm I'm going to sit this one out. Uh, but the the topic is going to be wonderful. It's uh, I think JB has told me it's going to be how Christians uh, should respond to suffering, and uh, boy, how appropriate for my last couple of days. Yeah. Anyway, so this is a this is a, a spirit sent topic. And uh, I'm, I'm going to be interested to hear what JB's got to say. JB, good morning. Welcome again, sir. Thank you for being with us. Good morning, Curtis. Uh, so sorry you're uh, feeling bad. Uh, we can all relate because I think uh, all of us have kind of experienced this uh, flu-like uh, uh, illness here over the last uh, few weeks and months, but I know it's no fun. So uh, before we begin, why don't you let me uh, pray for you, and then we'll dive into our topic oh, today. Uh, I appreciate that, JB. Thank you. You bet. Let's pray. Father, I do lift up Curtis, and I just pray for your comfort and healing for him and renew his strength and help him to uh, look to you during this time and pray for his physical healing. And uh, Lord, I pray that today's topic would be encouraging not only to him, but anyone else who's uh, facing some unexpected trials of life. And it would remind us of uh, what the proper perspective is when we uh, go through these times of suffering in this fallen world. And so we commit this time to you now, pray that you'd use it uh, for your honor and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And thank you, JB. Thank you very much. All right. Let us know how, where are we going to be beginning here, JB? We got a, a reference point? Yeah. So uh, what I've done, and, and I love doing this from time to time, and I know Pastor Dick uh, does the same thing, is, you know, you, you the Lord puts a topic on your heart, and then you kind of go to the Word, and you start to uh, uh, thumbing through the pages of scripture to verses that uh, seem to be related. And then you look up cross references to that verse. And then the first oh, yeah. thing you know, you've got a whole list of relevant passages. And so I just kind of basically did a, a short, uh, st you know, study a biblical theology, if you will, on suffering, uh, certainly not comprehensive, uh, but because uh, there are whole books written about that and excellent studies from good, solid uh, dispensational scholars. But uh, basically, it seemed like the Lord was uh, leading me in the direction of uh, proper responses to suffering. Uh, I know in my life, I'm the worst, really, at handling especially unexpected suffering, um, and uh, which most suffering is. I mean, sometimes you see it coming, but generally, suffering catches you when, when you don't expect it. And uh, I'm guilty sometimes of just getting in the flesh and kind of having one of those uh, woe is me moments. And so I understand, and, and we've all been there, but I came up with, I don't know, 10 or 12 um, different passages that uh, are in no particular order. Uh, they're not alliterative, I confess, right at the beginning, uh, Pastor Dick. So, uh, but that's, I'm hoping... that's forgivable, all right. <laughs> that's forgivable, good. Well, that's, that's good to know. Uh, but I think uh, it really was encouraging to me to have so much of an emphasis in this uh, brief little review that I did on the Word of God, and, and passage after passage just really spoke to my heart. So I know it'll, I hope it'll do the same 
uh, for you. But the first, uh, I think, proper reaction that comes to mind, and, and I know you'll uh, probably agree this is a good place to start, and that is that Christians should expect suffering. Yes. Uh, Christians should expect suffering. And so uh, there are several passages, but I was drawn to uh, Jesus' uh, upper room uh, discourse when just uh, literally hours before he would be arrested in the garden and face the most intense human suffering that any human ever has or will suffer, uh, he talked about suffering. And he was speaking to the disciples in that intimate moment and cautioning and encouraging them about suffering. And so, for example, uh, in John 15, of course, uh, I think most of our listeners probably know the the upper room discourse, as it's called, because it's when Jesus met with his disciples in the upper room and instituted the Lord's Supper and washed their feet and had many uh, very uh, poignant things to say in that late hour of his earthly ministry. Uh, but that's found in, in John 13 to 17. So five uh, rich chapters there. Chapter 17 ends with his high priestly prayer for the disciples and for all believers. Really neat passage. But if you go to that passage in John 15, uh, beginning in verse 19, Jesus says, If you are of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. So Jesus basically uh, tells the disciples, get ready. It's coming. Uh, they persecuted me. They're going to persecute you, and you should expect suffering. He goes on in chapter 16 to say more specifically, they will put you out of the synagogues. Yes, the time is coming that whoever kills you will think that he offers God service. Now, certainly, over the last 2,000 years of church history, beginning right then in the first century, Christians have been killed in the name of false gods. You know, Muslims uh, doing uh, uh, the bidding of, of uh, you know, Muhammad and Allah and thinking they're doing a service by killing the infidels. Uh, and then many other false religions have done the same thing. So uh, obviously Jesus, as the Son of God uh, and God himself in the flesh, certainly knew what was going to, ha to happen. Uh, he goes on in chapter 16 to say, most assuredly, I say to you that you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will be turned into joy. So Jesus kind of gives us that perspective that, yeah, it's going to be painful, but a better day is coming. That's John 16, verse 20. And then if you skip down to verse 33 in that chapter, the last verse in chapter 16, Jesus says kind of summary form, these things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace in the world, you will have tribulation, yeah. but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Amen. Yeah. So it's, it's, uh, there's a lot in that these passages that I've read. Um, but the bottom line is we should expect suffering. Suffering is not, uh, something unusual or unique. It should be the norm. Now, the, the reason that we have, such a problem with suffering, and the reason we don't always respond properly to suffering is that we've bought into the world's lie that happiness and contentment are connected to our circumstance and our situation. And so when our situation is okay and we're 
you know, able to put food on the table. We've got a good job, warm home, good clothes, nice friends. Our kids are all kind of walking with the Lord and everything's pretty good. Then we feel like we're happy, right? That's kind of the way we define happiness. But, uh, you know, God's word just describes happiness and joy as a, a choice and a, an overarching spiritual perspective as opposed to something that is dependent upon our circumstances. And so, uh, so, you know, in these passages, not only do we learn that we should expect suffering, but Jesus gives us a hint at some other ways that we should respond, uh, which is to be of good cheer, as he says there in verse uh, 33, to remember that he has overcome uh, the world. Uh, another passage that speaks to this idea of expecting suffering, of course, is Paul's a final letter in uh, the Bible, the book of Second Timothy, his second letter to his uh, son in the faith, Timothy, where, of course, he says in chapter 3, verse 12, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. So uh, all means all. Uh, he's, not, uh, you know, he's not limiting it to just certain types of Christians or a certain class of Christians or Christians in certain parts of the world, but all. And in fact, it's based on this verse that we can, uh, we can confidently say that if you're not experiencing some type of persecution or suffering, you might want to ask yourself, you know, am I really a threat to the devil? Am I really uh, making a difference in this <clears throat> you know, fallen world? Um, or am I just kind of insignificant and inconsequential? Um, so uh, we may experience seasons where we're not being directly attacked, but uh, when those seasons come, it should not change our attitude or our perspective on the Lord. Uh, we ought to, in all times, say, uh, Jesus is my Lord, God is my God, and I am I'm thankful to serve Him, and I give Him praise and honor and glory every day when I wake up, and uh, in good times and bad, He's still God. And uh, so I think that's kind of the first uh, principle of proper suffering, if you want to call it that, proper reaction to suffering, is that we should expect it. Uh, we should expect it. Uh, uh, and then number two, uh, and this is uh, really something that was encouraging to me, several uh, passages, but in, in uh, 1 Timothy uh, chapter 4, uh, verse 19, of course, First Peter 4, uh, did I say Timothy? First Peter 4, uh, we're going to come back to that because there's a lot in in First Peter about suffering. But in First Peter four nineteen, Peter writes, "Therefore, let those who suffer according to the will of God commit their souls to Him in doing good, as to a faithful Creator." Now, wow, think about that. Uh, first of all, the word "souls," uh, contrary to what a lot of people think in English, does not refer exclusively to the immaterial part of man, that, that part that goes to heaven or hell. A lot of times we think of this uh, dichotomy between the, the body and the soul, and sometimes the Bible does make that distinction in, in using the word soul, but the word soul, which is the Greek word psuche, it's where we get uh, psychology from, that English word, uh, it, you know, like all words, it has to be defined in its context, and sometimes, in fact, quite often, the word psuche, translated soul, refers to the whole person, 
body and spirit, you know, the material and the immaterial part of man. <clears throat> so when he says commit your soul, he's not in any way suggesting that there's something additional that you have to do when faced with suffering to make sure that you'll still get to heaven. Um, obviously, the testimony of Scripture is clear that our eternal destiny is based uh, solely upon uh, the faith alone in Christ alone and the promise of Christ, who said, if you believe in me, I give you eternal life, present tense. So we don't get eternal life when we die. We get eternal life the moment we believe in Jesus. Um, Amen. So, you know, he's not suggesting that somehow by committing our souls in the face of suffering, we are uh, protecting our eternal destiny. Not, not at all. What he's saying here is when you are suffering, we should commit our lives to doing good. That's what he says, doing good. Uh, that uh, it's that moment of suffering when we need to double down. Um, you know, I'm sure Curtis can tell you since he's feeling miserable uh, physically right now that, you know, sometimes when you're feeling miserable, it affects your whole outlook. It affects your attitude. It affects your uh, thinking. Uh, it's not just a physical aspect. We, we're holistic beings. And so <clears throat> when, you're, when you're sick, sometimes you don't really feel like doing good. In fact, you you feel like punching somebody sometimes, <laughs> and uh, so I uh, totally get it. And so I think it's it's appropriate that Peter, under the inspiration of the Spirit, would remind us here that when you're suffering, commit yourself to doing good, uh, yeah. and remember that He is a faithful Creator. Yes. Uh, so you know we see similar uh, you know discussions in the Old Testament. For example, in Psalm thirty-seven. David, in that great, beautiful psalm, starts out, do not fret because of evildoers, nor be envious of their workers of iniquity, for they shall soon be cut down like grass and wither as the green herb. Now, watch this. Trust in the Lord and do good. Yeah. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. It sounds very much like what Peter said in 1 Peter 4.19. You have a reference to the faithfulness of God, and you have a reference to doing good. And certainly uh, nobody uh, understood suffering as much as David, uh, other, than, yeah. other than our Lord. I mean, uh, David, uh, he brought a lot of suffering on himself, obviously, like we all do. Uh, but he was involved in many wicked, you know, the, the object or target of many wicked schemes. And so David goes on to say, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Uh, obviously, what he's saying there is that when our perspective is God-centered, then our desires conform to God's will. You know, right. we're in the flesh, we often, uh, you know, our desires are selfish and, you know, inwardly focused. But when we're delighting ourselves in the Lord, then the reason David can confidently say he'll give you the desires of your heart is because your desires change. Um, so that's not some kind of a, you know, health, wealth, and prosperity formula, or if you just say, I'm happy in the Lord, then all of a sudden you're going to have a new Corvette. Uh, it's talking about, you know, again, trusting in the Lord. Everything happens in a context here, and in verse 3, just trust in the Lord and do good. But watch this. We see yet another sort of uh, connection, I think, to 1 Peter 4.19, because in verse 5, he says, commit your way to the Lord, trust also in Him. So remember, what did Peter say? Let those who suffer commit their souls or their selves to him in doing good as to a faithful uh, creator. So 
I guess what I would say is, um, you know, after you get your hands around the idea of expecting suffering, um, and by the way, suffering should not be viewed, and we're going to talk about this in a moment. Uh, in fact, that's my next uh, one on my list here, but it should not be viewed as always as some kind of discipline of God. And remember, for believers, God never punishes us, and we need to stop using that word. In Scripture, punishment is only for unbelievers, but for believers, it's called discipline, and the Lord disciplines those whom he loves, but not all suffering is necessarily God's discipline. Now, even suffering that is because of this fallen world or because of Satan's attacks or, you know, there's all kinds of reasons that in this sin-stricken world we might face suffering, God can even use that to help mold and shape us and train us. But we need to break free from this notion that anytime something bad happens to me, it's God up there with his great big paddle, you know, giving us a spanking. Um, That's not the way God operates. God is a God of grace. Um, Yes, in love, he disciplines us, but sometimes we suffer simply because this is a fallen world. And uh, as Jesus said, we should expect suffering. Um, But in any event, uh, the minute we, f- we find ourselves in a season of suffering or an experience of suffering, uh, right from the beginning, we should commit our lives afresh to God and trust in Him and uh, you know, say, Lord, I don't understand why this is happening. I don't yet see the purpose of it, but I know you're still God. I'm going to commit my ways to you and uh, I trust you to, to see me through. Uh, any thoughts on that, Pastor Dick? Uh, boy, I'm, I'm just saying amen right now. Because <laughs> uh, at 81 years old, uh, I have seen God's discipline, and I have uh, undergone some, uh, some uh, you know, uh, uh, suffering, persecution. I've been called a Bible thumper and Dickie Christian and in a negative way. And, uh, you know, uh, but, but there's also some, I've never suffered a beating <laughs> because of my faith, but, you know, there's always the verbal side of it. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, the interesting, the interesting thing about suffering is, um, you know, Proverbs, uh, Proverbs uh, says in Proverbs 14, 10, the heart knows its own bitterness and a stranger does not share its joy. And, and that verse has always really come back to me again and again when I get into those situations where, like Elijah, for example, I think, oh, woe is me. There's no one else out there facing the kind of stuff I'm facing. And, and you know, the reality is we all face suffering. And, you know, you can never climb inside the heart of another person and see just how much they're suffering. The heart knows its own bitterness. Uh, and similarly, you know, when we're rejoicing, it's it's kind of hard sometimes to convey just how much joy we have in a particular situation as we're thanking God for some blessing in our life uh, because the other person can't really climb inside our heart. So the heart knows its own bitterness. And we need to remember that as tough as suffering is, uh, there's always somebody out there that's suffering worse. Yes. And, uh, you know, we've experienced in our life in 32 years of marriage and to be 30 year, or 32 years of ministry rather, and be 30 years of marriage this year, uh, 
that, you know, we've experienced <clears throat> quite a bit of suffering, uh, you know, uh, some of which I, I can't even really talk about, you know, the kinds of things that have yeah. happened. Yep. And then <clears throat> even in recent years, uh, we've come under attack. Um, like you, I've never faced uh, physical torture or physical abuse. Uh, and so, but boy, uh, we've, we've seen our share of suffering. And so we need to remember that, you know, uh, our suffering as bad as it is, there's always someone else out there worse. Um, so, so far we've said, you know, the, the believer's proper response to suffering is to expect suffering, to commit your life to the Lord when you're facing suffering. But number three, and I touched on this a moment ago, don't, don't try to figure it all out. Don't assume you know why you're suffering. Don't try to understand all the reasons for your suffering. Uh, you know, Proverbs 8.28 says, we know all things, I'm sorry, Romans 8.28 says, we know all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Uh, we just sometimes have to leave it there. Uh, <clears throat> you know, I, I can remember times in my life, I'm sure we all can, where we didn't know why we were facing what we were facing. And then years later, something happens. Mm -hmm. Harken back to that original moment of suffering, and it sort of begins to make sense. Mm -hmm. yep. You say, okay, I get it, Lord. I see now why we were going through that. Ah, now it starts to make sense. So mm -hmm. it's, I think it's futile uh, to, to spend energy and effort in the midst of suffering trying to, you know, so-called read the tea leaves and, and figure out, you know, what's God trying to tell me, you know, I had a flat tire. So maybe he's telling me I should quit my job or, you know, those types of things. Uh, no, uh, that's not the right proper way to, to, to respond to suffering. Uh, just rest in the Lord, know that he loves you and that he has a purpose for your life <clears throat> and he's, uh, he's working out his will. So, uh, so don't try to understand all the reasons for your suffering. Number four, and we talked about this uh, just sort of uh, organically here a moment ago, but realize that others suffer. Uh, I brought that up in the context of, you know, recognizing that they're that as bad as your suffering is, there are always others that are facing worse suffering. But I think what I was getting at here is the reminder that we have a common bond uh, with people. Uh, with other believers when it comes to suffering. Um, you know, I've been putting the finishing touches on my forthcoming book called Spirit of the Antichrist, and man, I am so fired up about this book. I, I wish I could get a copy in everyone's hands on the earth. It's that it'll, it'll, it'll be in mine. I'll yes, tell you. You, yes, it will, because I'm going to send you guys both a copy. Oh, great. Uh, thank you. Great. It, is, uh, it is due out. Uh, we haven't announced this yet. I guess I could announce it now, but uh, uh, Stand Up for the Truth Radio and David Fiorazzo have asked if they can premiere uh, the book on my March 21st uh, interview with them. That's my next scheduled appearance on Stand Up for the Truth. I only am on there once a month. Um, and so we had originally set April 1st as the release date, but we're a little bit ahead of schedule and we sure uh, are looking forward to having that book out by March 21st. But as I'm putting the finishing touches on it, writing a, an afterword where I'm going to share the gospel that goes at the end of the book, um, it's uh, 12 chapters altogether plus the afterword. And man, we deal with some, some really powerful topics uh, uh, in much greater detail than I did in the series. Uh, and this, by the way, will be volume one of Spirit of the Antichrist. It'll be a two-volume book set, uh, volume two, 
uh, will come out within the next year. Uh, we, we just couldn't cover everything in one volume. Um, but anyway, as, I'm, as I've been working through that and thinking a lot about the, the subject matter there of the Luciferian conspiracy and all that Satan is doing to try to uh, defeat Christians and usher in the one world system, this passage in 1 Peter chapter 5 came to mind. And so as I was thinking about uh, suffering, obviously this verse came to mind as well, where Peter says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And we know that verse, but watch the next one. Resist him steadfast in the faith. So there you have another reference to trusting God in the midst of trials. But notice the last phrase in, in 1 Peter 5, 9. Knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. <laughs> I mean, that's a, that's a great encouragement to know yeah. that we're not in this alone. Um, and especially people who throughout church history have been imprisoned and alone and put in solitary confinement, uh, they need to know they're part of a brotherhood. And we may not be physically together, you know, uh, like right now, as, as, as I'm talking to Pastor Dick and Curtis, uh, we're separated by a thousand miles. Um, and, uh, you know, but we're able to have this common bond of the, the indwelling Holy Spirit and our identity in Christ and our ho blessed hope of the soon coming of Christ and so many yeah. other um, so, you know, the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. We need to realize when we face suffering that others are suffering. We're not alone. Right. Um, I so, so, so you're saying that so, sometimes we suffer so that we'll be able to teach other people how to get through suffering. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a very common reason that uh, the Lord allows us to, to walk through suffering. And I just love that phrase, brotherhood. Um, you know, in my studies over the last 15 years of the Luciferian conspiracy that are sort of now uh, culminating in this uh, book, um, at least in, in volume one, it'll be two volumes. But um, one of the books that I've that I read was by uh, Dr. Stanley Monteith, who's with the Lord now, but it was called Brotherhood of Darkness. And it talks about how the Luciferians have a brotherhood and they uh, certainly understand uh, their their camaraderie with their comrades, no pun intended. Um, but uh, we need to, to remember that we have a brotherhood, and it's a much stronger brotherhood because greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. Yeah. And uh, so we need to resist the devil, be steadfast in the faith, and know that the sufferings uh, that we're experiencing are experienced by our brotherhood throughout the world. So, well, so that's... While, uh, while, you're, while you're taking a breath, could you say the name of your book again? Uh, my book is it's called Spirit of the Antichrist, Volume 1, The Gathering Cloud of Deception. And it's based on the 18-part, 14-hour uh, video series that we did a year and a half ago by the same title, Spirit of the Antichrist. And what we're doing is taking the content and subject matter of each of those videos and, uh, and then turning that into uh, a book. So it's, it's a really a comprehensive uh, overview and biblical uh, defense of the reality of the Luciferian conspiracy. I, I start out by obviously talking about who is Satan, who are angels, who are demons, 
Uh, how, when did this conspiracy originate? Who are the parties to the conspiracy? And then I get into chapter after chapter of manifestations of the spirit of the Antichrist. The whole premise of the book is uh, 1 John 4, 3, which reminds us that even though the Antichrist, capital A, is coming in the future after the rapture, when he, when he takes the helm of the one world system, it's called Daniel's 70th week, that seven-year period. But John, 1 John 4, 3 tells us even though one Antichrist, capital A, is coming, we know that many Antichrists have already come, and the spirit of the Antichrist is already in the world. So uh, if the spirit of the Antichrist is in the world, then and we know what the characteristics of the Antichrist are going to be based on Scripture, I just compiled a list a couple of years ago of all the various characteristics of the Antichrist kind of summarize them and cold them down to seven major characteristics. And then I said, if the Bible says the spirit of the Antichrist is already at work, we ought to be seeing an uptick in these types of behaviors and activities. And, and boy, do we. So yes. the book takes a look at, you know, all kinds of uh, uh, topics. Let me just uh, call up uh, here on my screen the, uh, the table of contents and just mention a few topics. Uh, you know, it's uh, things like the, uh, uh, you know, false left-right paradigm, fake news, censorship, geoengineering, the Hegelian dialectic, Operation Mockingbird, vaccines and big pharma, by far the biggest chapter in the book. I think it's some 50 pages. I don't know how many it'll be when it's the typesetting is complete, but I'm guessing it's going to be maybe even more than that. But I get into pull no punches about the, the COVID-19 pandemic and the reality behind it. And a lot of the research that I did in preparation for interviews with Curtis right here on this show uh, a year ago, uh, where we looked into the history and how this had been planned for so long. So that's a powerful chapter. Then I get into false flags and eugenics. And then we, we talk about how to avoid deception. Uh, we, we, we diagram out the, the Luciferian conspiracy. Uh, so yeah, it's, uh, I'm, I tell you what, if I was independently wealthy, I would try to put this in the hands of everyone I know, because we're headed in a direction that if the Lord tarries is coming, uh, we need to know this stuff. We need to know it anyway. Uh, but, uh, I think it's, it's going to be a, an important, uh, important work. So, so back to our topic at hand suffering. Uh, and by the way, that's probably why the Lord put suffering on my heart for today's podcast because I just am, am once again reminded of just how as second Timothy 3:13 says things are getting worse and worse and we need to have a biblical uh, response to suffering yeah. um, so another uh, I think principle for proper suffering and this should be pretty obvious but of course is the idea of pray when you're suffering pray when you're suffering yeah. James, the Lord's brother, put it pretty uh, directly. He said in James 5.13, is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Yeah. <laughs> that's, uh, that's pretty plain. And, uh, and, and so, you know, we see examples of this. Uh, for example, the psalmist uh, Asaph in Psalm 50. Remember, Asaph wrote some of the psalms. He says in verse 15, call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you and you shall glorify me. That's the Lord saying, call upon me. So when we face suffering, 
it ought to drive us to our knees and drive us to the Lord. And as we, you know, surround ourselves with the Lord and commit our ways to Him, as Peter said, it's going to change our perspective. It's going to remind us of His steadfast love. It's going to remind us of the resources we have in Him, uh, remind us of the Scripture that we've memorized. So pray. Pray when you're facing, uh, you know, facing suffering. Um, and so, you know, uh, that's something that we, we, we tend to pray when we do pray out of habit or I don't want to say ritual, but just routine, let's say. Um, but boy, when we face suffering, that's when our, we ought to really be crying out to the Lord in all earnestness. And it's okay, as we read, for example, in Psalm 13, it's okay to initially to question and wonder and say, Lord, where are you? Uh, have you forgotten me? What's going on? Um, but we don't want to land there, kind of as we said a moment ago. We don't want to try to figure it all out. But it's okay in honest, transparent conversation with God to say, Lord, what's going on? And in that prayer, it, it, uh, it allows the Holy Spirit to be the comforter that He is and remind us uh, uh, that God's presence is near. And uh, so pray, pray when you face suffering. Um, another, I think, proper response uh, is, uh, and this one is, I kind of get this from Hebrews chapter 12 in the context of the Lord disciplining His children, but don't despise your suffering. Don't get bitter about it. Don't despise, despise your suffering. Because, again, that's the fleshly response. That's the woe is me. I'm going to curl up in a ball, sit in a corner, and just pout. Um, that's not the proper response to suffering. <clears throat> we need to remember that the Lord loves us. And then whatever else may be going on with our suffering, you know, sometimes we bring it on ourselves. Sometimes it's attacks from the devil and his minions. Uh, sometimes it's just not a direct attack from the devil, but it's just a, you know, consequence of the fallen world in which we live. You know, if you're, if your water heater goes out and you're, you know, have no hot water and you got to pay for a new water heater, I mean, that's not necessarily a direct attack from Satan, nor is it necessarily a direct discipline or test from the Lord. You know, it could just be we live in a fallen world where things don't last forever, and sometimes water heaters wear out, and so you need a new one. Um, but it's still suffering, and yet you know we can we can uh, sometimes get bitter and feel like we're being piled on, and we begin to despise it. Lord, you know why this again? Not again. You know I just I just had to replace the furnace, or I just had to get the car fixed, and now I got to buy a new water heater, and I'm making all this up as an illustration, but you see my point. Um, so don't, uh, don't despise your suffering, and similarly in that same passage, Hebrews 12, uh, beginning at verse uh, 5, don't faint because of your suffering. In other words, don't give up. Proverbs 24, 10 says, if you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. Uh, we don't want to be marked among those who have small strength and small faith. Remember, Jesus often rebuked his disciples for having little faith. Oh, ye of little faith. 
Um, we want to be marked as men and women of God who have strong faith. And if we faint in the day of adversity, that means we, we just sort of give up. We allow the suffering to win the day. And that's not a proper response to suffering. We, we don't want to despise our suffering. We don't want to faint. We don't want to flippantly say, you know, oh, this suffering is great. Let's just smile and enjoy it. Uh, obviously, you know, it hurts when you're suffering. So you can't just willpower your way through it. But what you can do is trust the Lord. Absolutely, patiently, and, and trust, you know, trust the Lord. Uh, Hebrews 12 says we should be patient in tribulation. Hebrews 12, 12. Uh, be patient in tribulation. Because we know in the end, uh, the, the Lord wins. He's, uh, he's in control. Going back to Paul's letter to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2, 3, it says, endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Endure hardship. In uh, 1 Peter 1, he says, when you, when you do good and suffer, 1 Peter, I'm sorry, 1 Peter 2, verse 20. 1 Peter 2, verse 20, when you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. Yeah. So patiently endure suffering. Be you know, steadfast. Um, you know, James reminds us of the prophets. Uh, he says in James 5.10, my brethren, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord as an example of suffering and patience. Uh, so there's a, there's a connection between suffering and patience, which is ironic because the last time that we ever feel like being patient is when we're suffering. <laughs> when we're suffering, we become eager and anxious, and we want to get through it. And we want to fix it. But sometimes when we're suffering, it just calls for patience. And patience is just another way of saying, keep trusting the Lord. So let me review just where we've been, and then we've got a couple more here before we close out. But we should expect suffering. These are proper responses to suffering. Expect it. Commit your life to the Lord when you're facing suffering. Don't try to understand all the reasons for it. Realize others are suffering. Pray while you're suffering. Don't despise your suffering. Don't faint because of your suffering. Patiently endure suffering. And then here, here comes one that, uh, I don't know about you, but it's hard for me. Thank God for your suffering. Thank God for your suffering. You know, Pastor Dick mentioned a moment ago, one of the reasons that the Lord allows suffering is because it allows us to then be an example to others and uh, empathize with others. Um, and uh, the Bible tells us quite plainly in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, in everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And, and, and I don't know, at least not in my translation, it doesn't say in everything except suffering, give thanks. Right. So uh, we should thank God in the midst of our uh, suffering. Um, you know, in uh, Psalm 42, uh, which is uh, the psalm that is a psalm of the sons of Korah, Psalm 42 uh, says, as the deer pants for the water brooks, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night, while they continually say to me, where is your God? You can just sense the anguish and suffering that uh, this uh, author is, is going through. 
And then he says, when I remember these things, I pour out my soul within me, for I used to go with the multitude. I went with them to the house of God with a voice of joy and praise, with a multitude that kept a pilgrim feast. Why are you cast down? Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. In other words, I'm going to praise him, which is a form of prayer and thankfulness in the midst of my suffering. Now, I know that's easier said than done, but this is what we were talking about uh, earlier on in this discussion. Uh, when you're suffering, you just need to say, Lord, I don't understand it, but I'm going to praise you anyway, because you're still God. And uh, I don't know how you're going to use this. I don't know what the outcome is, but thank God uh, for your sufferings. And along those same lines, and we'll, uh, we'll wrap up with this one, uh, rejoice because of your sufferings. Rejoice because of your sufferings. And, you know, one of the most well-known passages that talks about trials of life and suffering is James chapter 1, where he says, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. And, yeah. you know, this idea of rejoicing is obviously uh, quite counter counterintuitive. Uh, James goes on at the end of his letter to say, we count them blessed who endure, who persevere in the midst of, of suffering. Uh, again, just like we read in 1 Thessalonians uh, about uh, 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 in everything give thanks, Paul says something similar in Philippians too. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. <laughs> so yeah. it doesn't say in Philippians 4, 4, rejoice in the Lord always, except when you're suffering. Um, he says, rejoice in the Lord always. In fact, in the context there, he's talking about uh, the fact that there's, there are needs that he has, you know, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So rejoice. Um, you know, this is uh, something that we see, you know, at the very early days of the church. If you remember in uh, the book of Acts with uh, Peter and John, and they had been in prison, the persecution was intensifying. Uh, I'm teaching through the book of Acts right now on Sunday mornings at Plum Creek Chapel in Sedalia, Colorado, and uh, it, it's just fascinating to me to see you know, take a fresh look uh, at, you know, how the early church functioned and how, you know, it didn't take long for suffering to begin. I mean, you know, it's not like suffering is something that just came along with, you know, the communist takeover or just came along with the COVID medical tyranny in America. No, no, they've been, they've been imprisoned and stoned and uh, all kinds of things uh, from the very yeah. uh, beginning. But, um, you know, if you remember at the end of Acts chapter 5, we read uh, that they were, they, the authorities commanded them not to speak in the name of Jesus, and they let them go, so that he parted, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name, Acts, yeah. Acts uh, 5, uh, 41, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. So rejoice. Um, it is an honor. Now, Obviously, some suffering is not 
uh, something that we're being persecuted. Not all, not all suffering is persecution. All persecution is suffering, but not all suffering is persecution. If you're suffering because of your own unwise choices, well, you don't want to rejoice that you're bringing glory to God in that situation. But in general, when we're suffering through no fault of our own and, and through just life circumstances and whatever it may be, uh, we need to count it all joy, as, uh, as James said. So those are just a few uh, kind of verses on suffering, really, that I've kind of uh, collated together and, and kind of come up with some principles. But uh, there's a right way and a wrong way to respond to suffering. And I hope that as believers, uh, whether it's little suffering or major suffering, whatever we may be facing, uh, or whatever we might face in the future, uh, that we will remember the biblical uh, teaching about suffering and, and, and have the proper response. Amen. 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 I'll tell you what, that was, oh, that was a nice reminder. There were a couple great reminders in there to, for me, JB. I, I appreciate this segment really yeah, a, we, a lot. We both needed this. The both of us sitting here at this table both needed this. There's some difficult things going on in my life, and I don't talk about too much, but pray for it, all right? Amen. I will. I, Pastor Dick, you, you mean the world to me, and I, I will pray for you, and I know our listeners will too. You guys, uh, but there's a lot of suffering. Remember the brotherhood that we talked about. There's a lot of people out there, but we're all in this together. And we don't want to be, you know, kind of a, you know, negative or de sound depressed. Uh, the hope that we have in the Lord uh, is what keeps us going. And, and uh, we just yeah. want to lift our eyes heavenward and continue to trust in him. Okay. I think we should be in special prayer for our Canadian brothers and sisters up north. Amen. Yeah, and our Ukrainian brothers and sisters. Our yes, Ukrainian yes, brothers, yes, yes. Because yes. they are they are all suffering some yeah. major persecution right now. Yeah. Right. Thanks uh, again for a great one. We hey, you bet. And uh, I want to remind folks that uh, they can uh, tune in on Wednesday nights. That's tomorrow night for uh, my live stream, my midweek live stream. Uh, it's uh, uh, emanates from uh, Plum Creek Chapel in Sedalia, Colorado. Uh, but even if uh, the winter weather here in the mountains keeps us from uh, meeting in person, I still do the live stream uh, from my, uh, my uh, office at home. So one way or the other, tomorrow night, uh, 6 o'clock mountain time, you can live stream that. Just go to notbyworks.org and uh, click on the live stream button. Uh, if you're not able to join us live, uh, you can always watch the video or listen to the podcast. We make them available shortly after the, each service. Uh, and they're available by video on our website or uh, as audio only uh, wherever you listen to the Not By Works podcast. And then, of course, on Sundays, uh, we have a nine o'clock Bible study on the end times, uh, what lies ahead, and then 10 o'clock worship service on teaching through the book of Acts. So if you ever find yourself in the Denver metro area, uh, come see us uh, in Sedalia. We're about uh, 15 minutes south of Denver on I-25 there or near uh, near Castle Rock, if you know where that is. Uh, but always you can live stream our services and uh, my messages and uh, just go to notbyworks.org. But thanks for having me on again today. I hope you get to oh, Thanks for being with us again, JB. We really appreciate it. And, yeah. and I know our listeners do too. I also want to remind our listeners to be tuning in uh, this Saturday uh, with Pastor Dick. Uh, Pastor Dick had a weekend off last weekend. And uh, it, it was a necessity. So if you missed him, don't you worry. He's going to make up for it this Saturday. I sure am. He's already promised me that he would. <laughs> and, uh, and I know that it means a lot to him to do that. So 
So be sure and tune in this Saturday for Pastor Dick's segment. And then, of course, Saturday night or Sunday morning for uh, another fantastic segment with Lucas Doremus. Uh, so, well, boy, what a lineup we've got for you guys. Yeah. You're really you're really very fortunate. And, and so, so are we. We're, yeah. we're very fortunate. Can I, just, can I just close this with one? Yes, sir. I just want to remind JB that uh, you remember when you and I and Lucas Doremus were all in the same local church. Do you remember that? I absolutely do. You would you would fill in for me when I was traveling, and uh, Lucas often led our worship, and it was uh, it was the dream team, I think. Well, <laughs> who would have ever dreamed that now we'd all be on the same podcast? No, who knew? Yeah, I didn't know what a podcast was back then. I don't think <laughs> I didn't either. Yeah, I didn't. When he told me about a podcast, when Kurt told me about a podcast, I scratched my head and said, "What?" Yeah. And now here we are. I know God is so good. It's it's uh, it's so neat to see how our lives have you know intertwined. Yeah, yeah. and we appreciate you so much more than we can uh, have the words to say it. So God bless you, brother. God bless you guys. All right, JB. Thanks again. God bless you, sir. Um, and we will see you next Tuesday, Lord willing. You bet. Looking forward to it. All right. This is the Christian Underground News Network signing off until Saturday morning with Pastor Dick. So be sure to be there. We, uh, we will be there and, and we will be faithful to do so. Uh, barring any unforeseen circumstances, uh, we will be there. So be with us this Saturday. Until then, take care. May God bless and keep you. And uh, we'll see you Saturday morning. Bye-bye.